Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God that engages us this day is the gospel lesson read previously. Dear friends in Christ, many of you may be familiar with the online music service called Pandora. With Pandora, you can listen to music free of charge online through a device like a smartphone. Now with Pandora, if a song comes up that you don't like, you can simply touch the thumbs down image on the screen and the song stops playing immediately and another one begins. On the other hand, if you like the song that's playing at that time, you can merely touch the thumbs up icon on the screen and that song will play more often in the future. So over time, Pandora adjusts to what you like and don't like when it comes to music. Never again playing the songs you gave a thumbs down and playing more often the songs that you gave a thumbs up. Well, for many people, today's gospel lesson really might be a thumbs down. We, these are words that we really don't like to hear from Jesus especially when compared to other things that we've heard from Jesus. Oh, we like to hear Jesus say things like, Come on to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now there's a thumbs up if we've ever heard one. Or we like to hear Jesus say something like, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Another thumbs up, to be sure. But listen to what Jesus says in today's gospel lesson. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I tell you, not peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That's a thumbs down if we've ever heard one. Those words even sound strange coming from Jesus. What in the world is he trying to teach his disciples and ultimately us as well? Well, in this gospel lesson, Jesus is depicting a very accurate picture of what is going to come into the disciples and our lives at times as a result of following Jesus. He's depicting for them the inevitable results that can occur in our lives as a result of following Jesus. Now to be sure, Jesus did come and did bring peace to this earth, but it's a peace between God and us. He did so by taking all of our sin upon himself on the cross and there dying for each one of us. Paul puts it so well in 2 Corinthians 5 when he says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting their sins against them. And so there is peace once again between us and God. As Jesus said to his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you? 
So Jesus did come and did bring peace between us and God. But just because we have peace with God does not mean that others in this world will be at peace with us as we follow Jesus. In fact, in our gospel lesson, Jesus outlines very clearly the divide that results as as a result of him coming into this world. The divide between those who will reject him in unbelief and the divide between those who will follow him in faith and trust. And even in the closest of families, that divide can occur. Children of believing parents can end up rejecting Christ. Sometimes even parents of believing children can end up rejecting Christ. It even happened in the beginning in Christ's own family. In Mark chapter 4 we read that Jesus' family members went out to bring him in to seize him because they thought he was delusional. And we see it today in families. Many times it can be below the surface and kind of simmering there. And then perhaps it's an event like a baptism or a confirmation or a funeral that brings the emotions to the fore and causes it to boil over in anger and frustration. I remember a time that I was actually asked as a pastor to leave a person's house as I was there merely praying with the family members after they had lost a loved one to death. And the person who asked me to leave said, I really don't believe in all that stuff. Such can be the result of following Jesus. And for many people, it's not only limited to their family, but it can also be in social circles. It can even be in the employment sphere as well. I remember another incident as I was having a conversation at a party back in Clayton when we lived in Clayton and I served on the staff at Concordia Seminary in Clayton. I was having a discussion with this gentleman and the discussion was going along just fine. And then he asked me the question, now what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a Lutheran pastor and I serve on the staff of Concordia Seminary, pretty close to here. And immediately his facial expression changed. Immediately his tone of voice changed and only about a minute later he excused himself to go and talk with some other people. Such can be the result of following Jesus. Even the prophet Jeremiah experienced this. In Jeremiah chapter 20 he complained to God that he's a laughingstock all day long, that many people mock him, and that even his closest friends are waiting for him to stumble. It's happened in my life. It's happened in Jeremiah's life. Perhaps it has happened or even is happening in your life as well. For following Jesus Christ can bring crosses into our lives. Now, we tend to use that term cross that we bear in a very general way sometimes to refer to any problem or any hardship that we have in life. For example, if I have a car that's not reliable and always is breaking down, I might refer to it as a cross that I have to bear. Or if I have arthritis or some other physical condition, 
I might refer to it as a cross that I have to bear in life. But when the Bible uses that phrase, a cross that we are bearing, it means a cross that we are bearing only because we are a follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, if we weren't a follower of Christ, we wouldn't have that hardship. We wouldn't have that issue in our life. And Jesus, in our gospel lesson, says, whoever does not pick up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And then Jesus goes on to highlight the distinction, the difference that exists, really the only two options that exist when it comes to following Jesus and reacting to Jesus. There are those on the one hand who will live for this world and for the things of this world. Career is more important than Christ. Family is more important than Christ. Social connections are more important than Christ. Christ refers to these people in our gospel lesson as those who have found their life. But ironically and unfortunately, he says, they end up losing their life, namely their eternal life. They are the ones who on the last day will hear Christ saying to them, depart for I never knew you. Or as Jesus put it in another section, he who confesses me before man, I also will confess before my Father in heaven. But he who denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. But then there is the other side. There is the other reaction to Jesus. Those who live not for themselves, not for this world, not for the things of this world, but for him who came and suffered and died and rose again for us. They are the people Jesus refers to as those who are losing their life, namely their life in this world. But again, ironically, they are the ones who end up finding their life, namely eternal life and how we need the help of God to do just that. To deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. Because see, by our very nature, we are not wired that way. Instead, we are wired to serve ourselves, to think of ourselves first, not to confess Christ before others. In fact, at times maybe to hope that no one finds out we even are a Christian, especially if the conversation gets a little intense. But for all of those times that we have failed to confess Christ before people with both our lips and our lives, there is forgiveness. And what better example of that than the disciple Peter? You'll remember on Monday, Thursday evening, Christ told Peter to his face, that he is going to deny even knowing Christ three times before the rooster crows that next morning, and that's exactly what Peter did. But after his resurrection, with great compassion, Christ not only forgave Peter and reinstated Peter, but gave to him the mission of feeding his sheep and tending to his flock. There is forgiveness 
only because Christ lost his life, quite literally lost his life, voluntarily, willingly on the cross, so that he might find life for us and give us that life, new life, abundant life, eternal life. And that's the life we now have. Thanks to the working of God in our lives, we have lost our life, so to speak, in terms of priorities in this world, and we live for him who died and rose again for us. And in the midst of that, we have a peace, a peace that doesn't mean we won't have problems, a peace that doesn't mean there won't be those who might ridicule us, mock us, make fun of us, perhaps even mitigate against us or discriminate against us as Christians. But in the midst of this, we ask, what would Christ have us do? He would have us pray for them. He would have us reach out to them in love with our actions. And as opportunities present themselves, speak of Christ to them confessing Christ before them, and in all of this, having a peace. As Christ said, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world, and that he has. And so in the midst of this world, we take heart, and we have peace. That's the real result of following Jesus. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.